0: mm uh-huh. Welcome to the EdGap Gap Evolution Podcast. I'm your host, Mariah Phillips. You can call me Mariah because that's my name. And I'm thrilled to have you on this journey with me and all of the spectacular guests who jump on the podcast to give you more options for educating children so that children have more options for building a magnificent future. The EdGap Gap Evolution Podcast is a digital community where parents, educators, and innovators drop the details on how they are using their lives to help children explore the vastness of education Beyond the Textbook so that we can close America's education gap together. And just in case you didn't get the memo, producing a podcast is a whole lot of work. We're talking schedule coordination, production, the list goes on and on. So in return for bringing you this show every week, we just ask that you always find a way to share and use what you learn on the podcast to enrich children and families everywhere. Alrighty, without further ado, come along with me to meet our very next guest. I know. I know summer kind of sort of just started and I don't mean to be a total buzzkill, but the new 2021-2022 school year is pretty much right around the corner in the US. And because of this, parents, we need, well, I'm not a parent yet, but collectively as adults, we need to have a serious conversation. Actually, we need to have a few pretty serious conversations that we can't afford to leave unspoken for another second. And so today on the Ed Gap Evolution podcast, we're switching things up a bit by checking off some hot topics on that checklist of things we need to discuss before the next school year for children starts. Now, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that my mom and the way that she navigated my K through 12 education, as well as that of my siblings, is a huge motivation for why I started this podcast in the first place. I actually interviewed my mom back in episode three on the podcast about her experience as a homeschool mom, managing motherhood, homeschooling and helping one of her children navigate. There she is uh, coughing before. <laughs> the episode. Sorry. It's okay. Um, helping one of her children navigate an autism diagnosis. And um, we also talked about why the benchmark for an excellent K-12 through education should go beyond a child only striving for good grades. Um, so if any of that interests you, then you should definitely check out her interview featured in episode three. But today I'm excited to share that she's back on the show. Um, but this time she's giving advice on three crucial ways that every parent can make sure their child has a successful school year and also gives tips on how to advocate for your child's education if your child attends a public school in the U.S. If you don't know her name, she goes by Pam, and she's taught in public school, private school, homeschool, and she's been a supplemental education teacher at companies like Sylvan Learning, so she offers well-informed opinions on the topics that we're about to jump into. Mom, welcome back to the show. How are you?
1: i'm good hi mariah
0: i know you're a little bit sleepy because we're recording this kind of late um but we're gonna do our best for you guys because this is you know really important information that can really help your child um and you launch the school year in the best way possible so mom let's cut to the chase public school will start again for most k-12 through students in the u.s towards the end of august right now it is july um july 19th to be exact and um That means school starting next month for most children, but that also means that parents' schedules are going to get busier or more hectic or more demanding. So the first question is, for a parent who may have been terribly disappointed about the fact that their child um, received a negative virtual education experience during 2021 school year, So we know that a lot of parents were upset, you know, um, computers kept cutting in and out, We know that teachers also were going through a lot of burnout and it just, nobody saw COVID coming and some kids received a great education, but the majority of kids truly suffered on that front. Um, And so what's one step a parent can take to build a rapport with their child's teacher this coming school year and hopefully improve the level of education that their child receives this school year? Like, is it possible for a parent to influence their child's classroom experience?
1: Well, first thing I'd say is calm down. Your kid is fine. Your kid is fine. They are going to continue to learn. We're lifelong learners. So, you know, I had to tell myself that even about my granddaughter, that, you know, um, what I'd like for her to got more more r- rigor and all that kind of stuff. But she's going to be fine. So what I would suggest is, number one, you have to talk to your child's teacher. And I mean this on a regular basis. like. Really try to get to know them beyond just, oh, that's my kid's teacher. Um, when you guys first started going to school, I made it my business to really get to know your teachers. Some I became really close with and some, of course, I did not. Some, we had a little challenge, but that's <laughs> part of going to school. But I would also say suggest that you ask your chi- your child's teacher, seriously, how can I support you? Whether it's a man or a woman, it doesn't matter, obviously. How can I support you? Um, ask your child's teacher what their expectations are for the class, for your child, um, especially um, long term. Like a lot of times when school starts up, so we're all gung-ho, we're all excited and all that. But where are we going this year? What 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 is the plan? Because a lot of teachers have to be backwards mapping. So they have an idea pretty much at least for the first quarter, first semester, whether it's elementary, middle, or high, as to what's going to happen. Um, and I think a lot of times we don't do that. We just let the teachers talk to us, but in a sense, I always say like, you're actually interviewing your child's teacher every, pretty much every encounter you could possibly have because you want to get to know where they are. So I think that's one of the things you can do right off the bat is talk to your child's teacher and get to know them.
0: Do, and with that, do you think, cause I know that some people, um, may worry that, like you said, some teacher, when you did that, when we were younger, some teachers received it very well and some teachers did not. Um, and then, do, you know, some folks may worry, hey, is the teacher going to get offended? And is me asking these questions going to just <laughs> going to um, start a problem that just wasn't, wasn't there originally? So I know that you're a teacher and you've taught for some time as a teacher, what has been your perspective? Like, what do you think when parents come to you with those sorts of questions, or do they come with those sorts of questions often? Um, you know, if someone thinks, hey, what if the teacher gets offended? What's a perspective that they may not have considered?
1: Well, I'm in an alternative education school, so I really don't get to encounter parents a lot unless it's, sadly, something negative. But prior to that, I was excited when parents wanted to talk to me, ask me all kinds of questions, because that lets me know that they're really interested, they're engaged, they want to know, you know, um, the direction we're going in. But as far as being offended, I mean, you know, offenses come, but I feel like uh, as a parent, and I'm speaking as a parent, I'm not so much concerned about you being offended, because if you're offended by me asking the direction you're going in with my child's mind, my child's growth, then that there's an issue right there. So I can't, I can't get caught up in that. And and I think, think the most important thing is also the tone in which you speak to the teacher. Because if you, you go in there, like, um, yeah, I got some questions, like, where are you going with this? Or something like, you know, whatever, like you've got to be careful with that. You could, it's a way you say it like, hi, you know, I'm Simone's teacher. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm Simone's mom. I'm here just to find out where we're going this year. I'm looking forward to a positive school year. I want to help in any way I can. So, what are the goals for this year? What is it that I need to be doing at home that can assist you in the classroom? Because a lot of times it's not just academic. I think it's also behavioral. Because if your kid is unavailable behaviorally to learn, the teacher could be doing everything and then they're not going to absorb much. So, I think not, you know, not worrying about the offenses. Focusing on we're, we're a team, we're a partnership to try to get this child so that by the end of the school year they are meeting the standards and ready to go to the next grade legitimately.
0: That makes a whole lot of sense. Um, and i I've heard I've heard parents give feedback. Um, I've talked to quite a few parents about their children's education and K through twelve public education in the U.S. And I have heard feedback that some parents just weren't or aren't aware that it is a partnership, um, that the school, that the child's education might not and probably should not be totally on the school. So when you say that the child's education is a partnership between the parent and the teacher, what exactly does that mean? Like, what does that look like in action? Does that mean that the parent is always checking up on the teacher? Is there um, like we said previously, or is there some sort of other action or actions that go on in that partnership?
1: Well, first of all, we got to kind of compartmentalize this. Like in, in the elementary level, there's a lot of correspondence, like kids bring home folders and all kinds of things like that. And I know when I was teaching elementary, sometimes parents had gone weeks, hadn't even looked in a folder. So you don't even know what's going on unless you start looking in that folder consistently and, and getting back to me. So that's part of the partnership is just that basic communication by you reading the stuff that is sent home. Um and I think also the partnership has to be that we do not meet only because there's a problem. Pop in, you know, or even plan visits. Don't just pop in. I mean just, you know, come to the school, get to know, participate in things um school wide. Let your face be seen. Let your your um your hands be there. You know, I when they used to have school, books, club, book, whatever, what was that thing called Scholastic Book Fair? Yeah. I used to love to go do that. We had, you know, it like spring fairs, all of that stuff. That's part of the partnership, the fun things too, not just the academic, but when it comes to the academic, I, I can tell you, nothing makes a teacher feel so happy as when a kid comes back, they've done the homework or they've they've learned the sight words or they've they've read the chapters or whatever, and they're prepared because the teacher's working, and then the kid and the parent is working too. That's part of the partnership. Remember, this is the key thing, and sometimes people don't, don't like to hear this, but the learning is on the child. That teacher is responsible for putting instruction there. And if she or he is doing that. And the child is also doing their part, and the parents doing their part. I don't see how that fails. Now that doesn't mean they're gonna get everything because it ta- it's a process in learning. But if all those are working, honestly, I saw that with all of you guys, when all of that is working, there is success on some level. But if one of those pieces is missing, there's going to be a gap, a gap is going to be created, and over time, that gap becomes a gulf. And then we look up and we see the stuff that we see, these investigative reports, like some kid is in in high school and he can't read and all that. That should never happen if we're taking the steps necessary at the early level. Even though I know people are busy, I know parents have a lot, I mean, you're working and all that, that's a lot. But you have to remember, nobody is responsible for your child's education as much as you are.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's truly a word. I mean, at the end of the day, we all know, you know, those of uh parents who are around their children, that kids really do emulate their parents. And, um, you know, that kind of snowballs us into our next topic is, and you said it a little bit previously, Um, although it's seldom discussed, studies do show that children perform better in school when they know that their parent is enthusiastic about education, even if the parent is faking it for the sake of the kid, you know, a lot of times, as um, adults, we fake a lot of things or, you know, put on a lot of fronts for children because there may be some things that a parent may not want to expose their child to yet. But um, from my perspective, enthusiasm about education, you can never expose a child to that too early. Um, And so you talked about, you know, getting your hands on um, different projects and activities in a school and being there. Um, And We know that parents have busy schedules and that's a lot of feedback that I do hear is like, by the time I get home, Mariah, like I can barely hold my head up. You know, the kids need to eat. Things are still rowdy, but um, are there, what are some maybe like one easy way that when a parent gets home and they have nothing left, they might not be in the school, like actively helping to enrich the child's education. Is there something that the parent can also do at home um, to supplement that education or maybe to just show the child, hey, I'm, I'm you know, mom, dad, or whatever they identify as and I value education. I'm interested in your education.
1: Well, a couple of things like, for instance, uh, listen to your child read, even in middle and high school. I know that sounds crazy, but in my school, I read to my students all the time because a lot of them don't like to read. I'm, I'm reading novels to them. So listen to them read, even if it's a paragraph, um, especially in the middle and high school level, um, when they're writing paragraphs, or writing essays, and things like that. Listen to it, read it yourself. You know, you don't have you don't have to be an English teacher to to read and, and, and listen to your kid. Um, that makes them know. Oh, oh, hold on! No, my mother's going to read that. You don't even have to say anything after you read it. Leave them wondering to some degree. You know, like I read it, and I'll get back to you. Now the kid doesn't know, right? It's like I said, especially middle and high school, because and I'll say this: this is the biggest one for me. Do not accept rushed, sloppy work from your kid. Look at it physically. Look at it. Does it look like something that you know is excellent, well done? Um, with your kids who are, who are younger, there's sight word games you can play. Listen to them. Recite their facts and multiplication, addition, subtraction, division, whatever that may be. Um, sometimes, especially when kids are older, they they're doing different research projects. Help them with that. Give them some of the resources that they need. These things can be done even when you're tired. You can say, look, look, I'm tired, but stand over there and read that paper to me and let me hear you read. So when you hear your child read, you can find out, well, maybe they don't read as well as I think they should be able to read or whatever. Or maybe they do read well, but, you know, they got to work on, you know, um, I don't know, their diction or work on, you know, how they how they sound. Little things. The bottom line is just be present. I think a lot of times we think it requires a whole lot. But if you're reading, your child sees a book in your hand all the time, they begin to realize, oh, reading is important. I say to my granddaughter all the time, hold up, I'm reading. And now, you know, she likes to read and she'll listen to me read or, or let me tell her stories. You just got to, I don't even think you fake it. There's no need to fake it. Do it. Do it for real because it's going to pay off down the road. It may not look like it's coming together. It's like a puzzle. Pieces, you know, take time to find a thousand piece puzzle. But over time, all this stuff begins to work together. You can't really tell me when you learn to read, but you can read.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, Nike says it all the time, just do it. And it, it really makes a difference. Um, when I think, you know, from different things that I've made an effort to put into practice in my life, just by doing an act, you know, with sincerity, because, <laughs> you know, yeah. at times we can't fake it, but doing an act with sincerity really does turn something that is a goal or an ambition into something that you actually achieve and it can it can inspire other folks. And if that other folk is your child, then Hey, that's a double win.
1: And remember your your child knows you as well as you think, you know, and you know, your child. And I think you do know your child, your child knows when you're faking, when you're not really paying attention. And I say this sincerely, you know, they say like give them 15, 20 minutes, but honestly you do have the time. You or if you if you think you don't, you've got to find a way to make the time because if you make the time now and you put in the work, you can feel confident and comfortable in knowing that I gave it my best. That doesn't mean that you have to know all of this stuff. Goodness gracious, you know I didn't know that geometry. Goodness, come on now. Um, you know, I'm an English teacher. I don't like geometry. But I'm like, oh, that's good, right? Or if if I don't know something, I can say to my kid. You know, I don't know it, but I can help you find it. And when kids know that you are involved and you care, they get into their assignment. Even at school, I notice kids when I stay on their case about something, even if they're reluctant or resistant, the fact that I'm pushing them in a positive way, then they get it done. Then I can come back and say, see, you didn't want to do that. Now, look, you've you've got it done. So I think that that's the same thing with your children at home. They don't have to like school to be successful. They just have to get the job done. Everybody doesn't like their job, everything about their job, but they get it done, hopefully.
0: Right, exactly. You get it done and you find a new one, hopefully. (laughs)
1: Exactly. You don't like it, get out of it, go somewhere else. (laughs) So
0: (laughs) if I'm a parent who is not employed by or familiar with the public um, education system in the U.S. in 2021, um, Because I, <laughs> you know, I hear it sometimes um, grandparents will, grand, oh, back in the day, grandparents will comment on the school system now and how it was, you know, even in 1992 or even in 2001 is very different than how it is today. So for a parent or guardian who d- doesn't really know too much about the public education school system in the U.S. in 2021, how, how do we even find out, you know, how do I find out whether my child's school is receiving the best possible funding and resources available? Um, there's a lot of conversation when we when we talk about education equity or caring about our child's education. It's like, well, you know, some schools are receiving new books and, you know, getting um, construction work done and receiving new resources and programs while other schools are not. And, and for a parent to keep hearing that, but not knowing what, um, maybe a state-of-the-art school or a school that is receiving proper funding and having it used in a way that is actually building up the school and the environment in the school for the child. How do we know? Like, how do we know that? What specific traits um, should we maybe look for in a school to determine if it's a thriving school or if a sc- or if our child's school is being neglected?
1: That, that That's so broad. But <laughs> the first thing I would say, and it may seem like, oh, here they go. The PTA is still something, I think, if, if the school has it, is a, is a wonderful thing. I know when you guys were in elementary school, I was extremely active with the PTA, and then we would attend those school board meetings when we would go out there. So, But you also have the politicians. You know, You also have the public school system website. Go on that website and look at some of the statistics and the data that they have to see where your school is, how your school performs. And and then you can kind of get a gauge as to what's going on. But I'll say this too. Be careful. Yes, it's nice to have classrooms that are pretty and, you know, fix up all nice and wonderful. That's great. But don't let that be like, oh, wow, my kid's classroom is so cool. The thing is, check your kid. Is your kid performing this on the level he should be or she should be? Like there are standards that all the school system has and their standards they should meet. And if your kid is meeting those, hey, that's great. But look at where the school overall is. And then you can kind of get a gauge is, is, is this school really, you know, thriving or is this school struggling? But at the same time too, don't be too caught up in test scores. That's what I'm saying it's so broad. You know, again, some schools, let's be real, some schools get more than others. And this is how it's always been. But what you as a parent have to do, and this may sound kind of hard for some people to hear, you've got to be greedy for your kid. What do you want your kid to get? Because your kid is going to make an impact at some point in this world. And so you've got to give them the tools for that. Um, You know, Featherbed, that's where you guys went. It didn't have everything I thought it should have. We stayed at the school board meetings fighting for basic things like blinds. But at the end of the day, there were some pretty good teachers there. And and when you went in those classrooms and you got to know those teachers, you realized and you understood they weren't just coming there for a paycheck. They were working pretty hard. And the ones who who weren't up to standard, you know, you have to be willing to to feel uncomfortable a bit and hold them to you know the t- hold them accountable, and, and and say what you have to say and not worry about that. Again, if you went to a restaurant and that food was not to the standard you wanted it, are you gonna hand me your money. Right. No, you're not. You're going to say something. Hey, no, I'm paying for this. You're a taxpayer. You got council people, you got senators, you got representatives or whatever. Put, they work for you. Right. Talk to your school principal, talk to the vice principal, talk to whomever it is you have to talk to, the guidance counselors. When you ask those questions, now it's for them to get you the answers and don't let up. I mean, we did a lot when we were you know, at Featherbed trying to Get the best for the kids. I have some smart kids. And look where a lot of you guys are today. Right. So don't sit back and think you don't have the power. You have the power. You just have to know how to use it. And that means opening your mouth, get in that classroom. If you see something that you don't like, you can respectfully say something. But for the most part, you cannot complain unless you are in there helping to make things better. hmm
0: yeah, it's like any situation, you know, whether you're at work, whether it's a relationship, you know, a personal relationship. It's one thing to say what's not going right um, or, you know, what's going wrong. And it's another thing to play an active role <laughs> in improving right. the situation.
1: And there's another thing I want to say that I think is important, too. Like when you do come in your child's classroom, there are things you should look for, like the objective. Sometimes you may see it as an I can statement. You know, I can Make an inference, blah blah blah, or it might say the student will be able to. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, that is the goal for that lesson that day. Talk to your child, ask a child. Remember, what I like to say, to you guys, what did you learn today? What What was something good you got out of school today? What was something that didn't go too well today? So, you for know, those, who what role not- did you play, Mariah? You know, and having a decent day today or not having a decent day. Like, I think the accountability has to be on your child, too, because you're not there. So you yeah. And you know your child. And let's be honest. Please, parents, I can't state this enough. Do not support your child, and they're wrong. If that kid is not turning those assignments on time and, and not doing their work, you've got to get to the bottom of that. You, you can't go asking for all these, you know, exceptions. There are standards that you want your child to meet. There's a high expectation you want to have for your child. So, if you have this high expectation for your child's teacher, have it for yourself and have it for your kid. Because if you have that, then that kid knows that, hey, believe me, they have something to shoot for. But if they know that you've got their back, I see it all the time in tutoring. You know, a lot of times the parents come to me and they want their child tutored. Really, they just want to pay me money to make this problem go away and that's not it your child is missing things and now you're you're upset and you complain about the school but the reality is it's some of that is back on you but if you're not willing to do that hard work it doesn't matter your school could be thriving and your kid could still not be thriving and vice versa
0: yeah so i think those are you made quite a few excellent points um, and I think if, if anyone is looking to take away a few to chew on, you know, it's that you, you know, you are also responsible for the way <laughs> that your child behaves in school. <laughs> the teacher can do a million and one things, you know, there can be a million and one programs and cute desks and state-of-the-art um, equipment put into place. But if the child goes to school and and is quite aware that you're not that involved in, you know, how they're performing or how they behave, or if they get, you know, the teacher calls or school calls and says that there are behavioral issues and they know it's, you really aren't that interested in helping to correct it. Then that can also um, impede the child's education. Um, You mentioned uh, having an objective on the board. and, And one of the things that I always like to do is bridge what teachers know about the classroom and what some parents may or may not know, because the truth is that, Sometimes, you know, many parents, the schedule can be so busy or maybe it's just not a priority and they might, you know, drop the kid off at school and never even look in the classroom and see that there's an objective. So is that some sort of rule that there always has to be an, an objective on the board um, or like,
1: Absolutely. could you break down,
0: could you break down objective for us like really quickly? So the, the
1: objective is basically the goal for that day or for that lesson. Like, you know, I'm in middle school. So what do I want that kid? Child to know at the end of that 75 minutes in my classroom. Well, what does I want them to be able to do? And then I can break it down. You know, I've got to, you know, start off my lesson. Of course, I'm trying to motivate them and all that to, to give them give them some interest in what we're going to do. And so if I don't have a goal, then what 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 are we striving for? I don't even know what we're trying to do today. So you can ask your child when they come home. What was the goal for the day? What were you supposed to learn today? You know, now that doesn't mean your kid can give it right back to you. But what you say is to your child is, what did you do today? What did you learn today? What did you take away? Now by middle and high school, they should be able to tell you pretty much what the goal was. Um and you can also look in their folder. Some teachers used to have the children write it down. I don't I don't have them write that down. Um, especially when we're virtual, you can actually you know, go on um, the class and see the different PowerPoints or um, Google Slides or something like that. But that's what an objective is. It's telling the student where we're going today and how we're going to get there. Without an objective, you can't even begin to teach a lesson because how can you teach? You don't know what you're going to do. Right. So that is important. But uh, the other thing I wanted to go back on is that I think another important thing that parents have to do and sometimes I was guilty of this: is that you really do have to speak well of your child's school and the teachers. Sometimes I had a, you know, I had a couple of really rough situations there, and I and I obviously didn't care. I was in my feelings, and I didn't care. I was just really angry. But I think overall, I think it's good to speak well of your 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 school. And if you can't speak well, if you don't like what you know, a particular teacher or what's going on at school. You got to be careful what your child hears, depending on what age they are, because sometimes the kid, you know, the kid loves the teacher. The teacher could be OK or not OK, could be great or whatever. And so I think that's important. That's something that, you know, looking back, when you especially in elementary school, you know, um, fourth grade, um, it was that was a rough year for your older sister. But overall, you know, I had some pretty positive encounters with both of the teachers.
0: Yeah. And that third piece, I promised folks that I'd um, summarize three nuggets for them.
1: The third thing that you said
0: at the beginning of um, this, your answer was the PTA. Um, Could you briefly let us know? And I know that they have a website. So, folks, you can always go to the PTA's website. But really briefly, could you let us know what the um, PTA is for? So, you
1: know... um, The Parent Teachers Association, and I'm only going off, like, again, my school is alternative, so we don't have it. But when you guys were in school, um, we would get together. A lot of times, though, unfortunately, a lot of times teachers didn't always show up. And I got that. They worked all day. They're tired. Probably don't want to come back. But parents work, too. But when it's really functioning, a lot of times it was the parents and a few teachers. We would get together to talk about how to make the school better. What are some of the things and major issues that we need to address now Mm -hmm. that can improve this school? And so, number one, what I thought it did really well was it gave us a nice bond between parents. I met a lot of parents who I still know today, um, and we found out, you know, some of the things that we could do. Like when our principal or vice principal would attend those meetings, they're like, you've got to get to those school board meetings And we learned that. And so we started going there. We would get our opportunity to speak about what we wanted to do for our school. And so, you know, we only met, I think, like once a month or something like that, maybe twice a month. But different people had different roles, obviously, president, vice president, treasurer, and that kind of thing. But overall, it was a way for us to identify issues or challenges in the school. And then for us to get together, brainstorm and figure out how can we solve or improve these situations? And most of the time it worked in our favor. I mean, we would go to the board and school board meetings and, you know, of course it would be a small group of us and, you know, we would see other schools who had a lot of people. And so we started learning, Hey, in order to really be heard, you need numbers, but you don't know these things unless you come out and participate. And you sometimes I would be tired, but you 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 know, tired is temporary. You've got to get past that to get to what it is you really want. You cannot keep complaining about something, but not willing to put in the time and the effort that is required to solve the problem. So, a PTA, a strong PTA, is powerful. It is respected because that means you're coming out past when you have to be out and you want your voice to be heard. And it sounds like a cliche, but believe me, they're listening yeah
0: yeah you know when you're vocal folks have no choice but to turn you know turn around and listen to uh and by turn around I mean not always physically or literally but to pay attention to what's going on there and realize that you as a parent and as community mean business um and so the final part of our time together um is here's the question so When you were a parent um, with kids, so four of us, you have four kids and we so I think at one point we were all in the Baltimore County public school system at once, um, all at once. What were three things that you did at the start of every school year to make sure that your kids received the best school experience possible, either at home or at school? So maybe three things that you did to prepare us at home um, combined, you know, three things you did to prepare for the school year, either at home or at school.
1: So the first thing is, you know, for for myself, number one, I was prepared. Especially when I was home and you guys were going to school, um, I was always prepared in my mind, mentally, that I'm committed. I'm going to do whatever I got to do this year to make sure you guys get what it is you need. So that meant that I've got to get to the school. I've got to go meet, introduce myself to all the teachers, and let them know that, you know, from time to time, I'll be coming in. If they need any help, any resources I can help them with, I'm there. And then I followed up and I did that. But the other thing, number two, I used to say to you all, all the time, when it's time to work, you work. When it's time to play, you play. You don't mix the two. You're not to listen to any of those kids if you listen to your teacher. I mean, that was a different time. You know, Kids, now have a lot more to say, but I used to say that all the time. You don't pay attention to anyone. The teacher is the person of authority. And I've taught you all about authority. And I think that's very important. Yes, you have something to say, but ultimately that person is there to make sure that you learn and that you are safe. So I wanted you to understand that you have to respect your teacher regardless, even if you disagree and don't like something. Bring it home to me, I'll take care of that. But you, in the meanwhile, you sit there and you listen. Number three, the big one I said is the learning. And I said it earlier, the learning is on you. I'm not there in that classroom i'm I'm at work or maybe home. Your teacher's there. ask questions you know do do what you're asked to do. Don't be afraid to be wrong. Don't be afraid to be different you know but as but at the same time as a parent, you've got to get involved. You cannot let an entire school year go by or a semester or quarter or whatever, whatever. no one has heard from you. so I think as a parent. The the thing is, the biggest thing is involvement. I don't care how small, a phone call. Call the school on your lunch break if you have to. Or if you're a stay-at-home mom, call up to the school. You know, if you can get, get up there, get up there. Talk to the principal, vice principal. Let yourself be seen and heard. And then most of all, get your sk- kid to school on time. Get them there fed. Mm-hmm and get them there properly groomed because that makes a child feel good about themselves. All that other stuff is nice and wonderful. And, but that kid has to be groomed fed and in love. And if that's there and that that doesn't require a whole lot of money to do that, it just takes a little bit of your time and commitment. That kid has a better chance of having a successful school year, regardless of how many book bags and cute shoes and all that other stuff. Lisa Frank stuff that you used to be obsessed with. All that stuff is all nice, but, you know, you've got to go out there feeling good about yourself, only you, you want a confident child. So mm-hmm. that confidence has to come from that home. And if that kid is confident at home, he or she is going to take that confidence right out that door, into that classroom, and they'll be able to, as they like, use that little clip, they'll be able to shine. But most of all, they'll be able to learn. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much, mom, for this wonderful advice. Your wisdom is always great to have on the podcast. Like I said, so folks, she's coming from um, a a background in education. This isn't just, you know, it's all, it's wonderful to hear opinions, but also it's also important to make sure that when we do hear opinions, we're hearing educated and well-informed opinions. Um, And so if, if there's anything, you know, there's, there was so much to chew on. I do recommend listening to the, listening to this episode more than once and really taking notes on some of the Um, advice that was given and the points that were made. But if you're just looking for a really quick action to do, I definitely recommend, like we said, going to pta.org. That's the National Parent Teacher Association. And there you will see a bunch of resources on how to advocate for your school, um, how to get in on legislation that is in um, favor of children's education in America, family resources. um, If your family is in need of resources or advice regarding parenting, college readiness, health and safety. They have all sorts of events. Um, They teach you how to join the PTA. Just so much information and so many resources on how you can get support in getting more involved in your child's education. You don't have to do this alone. So again, thank you so much, mom, and everybody. um, Embrace the evolution. (laughs) Need to thrive. Um, Udit, have a wonderful day and thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Have a great day as well. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. So what'd you think? How will you take what you learned today on the Ed Gap Evolution podcast to make sure that more children and families know that they have more options for building a magnificent future. If you like what you heard and want to get notified when the next episode goes live, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and we'll notify you when the next episode is out. Don't forget to check the show notes where I share information on today's guests and yes, we do have a website you can always pop in on us at www.eggapevolution.com again i'm mariah phillips and i leave you with this embrace the evolution y'all